Well, some of us, yes, some of us get very distracted by shiny new objects, particularly if that object is an NFL team. Hmm. The Super Bowl is back. You didn't ever th thought it, it never went away, but it's back. Big time. Yeah, big time. And while we're on sports, Keith, the Olympics are a big flop for NBC, but there's hope in River City. Good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our opinions, ideas, comments, and snarky remarks <laughs> about what's going on in the media space. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver. In sunny Southern Cal, it's Keith Samuels. We do this each Tuesday and Thursday. So today, we would like to welcome you to the Tuesday, February 22nd episode, 222222 <laughs> of Media Insultant. Sunday was closing ceremonies for the Olympics, Keith. And while this standoff in Ukraine may no longer be the standoff, <laughs> a standoff when you hear this podcast, the big news this week was that the Olympics were probably grimmer than any we've seen since maybe the 1972 Olympics in Munich, where the Black September terrorist group raided the Israeli housing unit and left 11 people dead. Yeah. It was just, it was just a dull, grim event. And from a media standpoint, Keith, this had to at least be embarrassing for NBC. I mean, kind of like discovering your best customer is a is a mafia hitman. <laughs> what was your What was your thought about about the way this finally ended up? I uh, I could have cared less. I didn't yeah. watch the opening. I didn't watch the closing. I watched a few uh, events in between. I can safely say that I have watched enough. Slope style, freestyle, hoodly do on skis and snowboards that I don't need to watch the rest of my life ever again. Apparently, uh, there was a there was a, a you know there was some controversy with ice skating. So the premier ratings event was a complete disaster uh, with the doping scandal and the gal who the, the little girl, the fifteen year old teenager who you know was going to win but messed up and blew it and. We didn't get anybody in the in the podium. I mean, it was just it was just a train wreck after train wreck. And 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 like we've talked about before during the Olympics, you know, I just pity those poor NBC sales guys uh, that work at NBC affiliated television stations around this great land of ours, who were out there pitching their local advertisers on their big you know Olympics package. You got to advertise in the Olympics. And oh my gosh, they're a complete ratings disaster. Down 57% in 25 to 54-year-old demo over over four years ago, which was down 57% from, you know, it, it's just half of a half of a half. And you're out there trying to sell this stuff. Oh, I feel so sad for those folks because now they're going to have to go out and do a lot of make goods in their local news and their local, you know, the morning shows and so forth to make up some ratings that they're just not going to be able to do it because it's going to take forever to make up that much of a loss. Yeah, it's one thing when you guarantee an 8 or a 9 rating and your typical daytime programs do a half a point or yeah. or less. Well, they were a mess. Uh, <laughs> NBC was down by 12 million in terms of total audience, 10 million on NBC's linear channel yeah. and 2 million on the various streaming platforms that they, they were using. 
And it was just, there was just nothing right about the Olympics this year. But, but some people think there is a light, and I'm one of them, <laughs> at the end of the tunnel for NBC. What do you think? I don't know, Jackson. I guess it's got to be where the where these Olympics are coming up because um, the next Summer Olympics in 24, in two years, are in Paris. So that's, it's going to be French. Vive la France for the uh, Olympics in 2004. So that'll... At least there won't be stark cooling towers of ex power plants in the background of these events. You'll have, you'll have the Louvre. You'll have, uh, you'll have uh, the, Eiffel Tower. the Eiffel Tower. You'll have That's Versailles. Right. You know, you'll have you'll have classical great French scenery, which will make it fun. We might even have announcers because we might be done with COVID by then. I'm sure they'll still be masking in Paris by then, but they'll you know COVID will be maybe. It will be waning enough on the 28th variant where the announcers could actually be at the venue for it. The Summer Olympics do better anyway in ratings because it's a broader appeal. And then the the, the next Winter Olympics in 2026 is going to be in um, Milan and Cortina. So we're going to get a little Northern Italy. So who doesn't want that? And then And then finally in 2028... Uh, the summer games return to where they always should be, and that is in Los Angeles. And so that'll be a great fun to have another SoCal version, our third time hosting the summer games. So, you know, maybe there's hope for NBC after all that they had to suck it up for, you know, four years in South Korea and in China before they get, and, and Tokyo. So they've had three miserable uh, Olympics in terms of television ratings. They, they deserve three good ones, and that might be what happens next. Well, and as you and I were saying, you know, who could they could who could screw up Paris? I mean, <laughs> the French. And, <laughs> no, well, right. and if they did screw up Paris, then you'd just shrug and go, ah, yeah, it's the uh, c'est la vie. Ooh, tout c'est la vie. <laughs> I think the uh, the the point is is that they've gone through the low ebb in terms of location and logistics, and now maybe it's a good chance for them to change direction and for the Olympics to, again, regain their stature. Boy, for the billions they put into it, they're sure hoping so. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a colossal failure and, and an expensive one because, again, again, they, they got their deals done. They sold, that, sold a lot of time, but they didn't get the ratings that they probably promised. And so yeah. now it's, now it's, uh, you know, it's going to be make good hell for the next six months. Hey, I wanted to mention that Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. We do episodes each Tuesday and Thursday. And Byron Allen, you remember Byron Allen of Allen Media. He has dreams of being the largest TV broadcaster in the country. Mm-hmm. But he may have found a shiny distraction. Ah, We'll yes. talk about that in just a minute. But first of all, or first before we do that, the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is back. And I know you think it's always been there, but my point is, we did talk about the decline in linear television and the poor numbers we just talked about for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But the Super Bowl did it again, 101 million viewers plus another 11 million on digital platforms. Big 16% bump for NBC. Mm-hmm. It was a heck of a great show for NBC and for the audience. What did you think? Uh, well, yeah, other than the halftime show, which was not necessarily targeted towards me. But, uh, you know, it was many regarded as a great halftime show. It was a great football game. 
It was at a great venue, uh, and, uh, and 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 there, and there was great suspense. I mean, this game really was in doubt to the very end, which is what the network always wants because they don't want you know a, a blowout, and so nobody's watching in the fourth quarter. In this case, it was the opposite. It was you know the Rams went down and won and held on. So it was it was great. But you also had two teams with an interesting story. You had a major market team in L.A. Okay, number two market, and then you had a great Midwest story. For the rest of the country to get behind, which was the you know the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow from you know Ohio, and it was you know blue collar versus you know glitz L.A. and so lots of lots of great storylines around this one, and I think people like watching sporting events as opposed to the Olympics where there are people in the stands, and yeah. so you yeah. know here you had a great crowd, everybody's in the stands. It was like a COVID breakout party. It's like we're done. Let's go celebrate a great football game between two great teams and, and not have to think about the frickin' COVID issues that are going on. Um, and there was a lot of fallout because our mayor and our governor were partying like rock stars in the luxury suites with no masks on. And these are the guys that are making sure that my 12-year-old and 10-year-old grandchildren have to wear masks in school and on the playground. And, you know, and so it's just, oh, and so they just got blasted, which was great, great fun. Our mayor pledged that he actually held his breath when he took his mask off to pose with with different uh, personalities, uh, famous personalities. He was holding his breath. You know, it's like, right, dude. So anyway, it was just, a, there was so much greatness about that event. And NBC, obviously, sensed that there was going to be anyway, which is why they brought Mike Tirico back from Beijing to host the Super Bowl events, and uh, and it paid off. It was a much better event to be at for Mike Tirico and NBC than anything the Olympics was throwing at him. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was like the opposite of the Olympics. It was the absolute polar opposite, and the ratings showed it. Yeah, I had just one takeaway: and good games yield good audiences. No, Bad games don't. You know that that it's simple, but uh, you know that's. That's what seems to work. Yeah, but the good so, the good matchups are the ones that bring the audience to the game. And then you're right. right. And then your point is is that a great game will get great numbers, and it and it worked out perfectly on both ends for NBC. Yeah, and good for NBC. They they needed a win. So every time Byron Allen tries to buy a TV station, he runs into it. It seems like he just doesn't get get to come to the table. Byron Allen has a company called Allen Media. And Allen Media owns, um, I don't know, a dozen stations. A little more than that. Yeah, a little more than that. Yeah, 12, 15, 16 stations. He also owns the Weather Channel, and he owns this OTT product called Local Now, which is uh, at best strange and at worst just unwatchable. But he owns them, and he's building his broadcast empire. Mm -hmm. And he says he's got the money to build the largest television network or television group of stations in the country okay great but he's now been approached by the nfl to buy the denver broncos and if it uh, ever comes to being it'll make alan the first african-american owner mm-hmm. but the nfl has knocked on other black entertainers or black entrepreneurs and hasn't found a buyer for the broncos or any other team what what do you know about that well uh- I, I don't know why they're turning it down um, and why they're they're not attracted because you know the the, uh, the the league and there's rumors that Robert Smith, who's the richest African American man in the country, who happens to be 
living in Denver. I mean, he, you know, he's a chemical engineer and now an investor and entrepreneur and great, you know, uh, uh, citizen of, of Colorado. Uh, even though his wife says he still might buy it, the word is he's not. So then they go to, to Byron and, uh, you know, maybe it's because these teams, you know, really operate like break even or a slight loss. I mean, you know, how much money does the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos are for sale for $4 billion. It's going to be the largest sale of a sports franchise in freaking history. Okay. And it's the Denver Broncos. Imagine what the Rams would go for. Imagine, you know, you know, whatever. Okay. I got that. But they don't make a lot of money. Well, the team that does make money are the Dallas Cowboys. They right. make about $280 million a year. The Broncos, they make about $8 million a year. So if for a $4 billion investment, one could argue there are places to get slightly higher rates of return. <laughs> you, now, I realize there's accounting that goes on in all of this. Right. But still, you know, really these sports teams have now reached a point where they become really an ego play. And you and I both remember when Jeff Smullyan, who had MS mm-hmm. Broadcasting, mm-hmm. bought the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like Jeff a lot, but it was an ego play to have a major league team. He always dreamed of owning one, and you got to hand it to him. He pulled it off. But I think he found running it was a lot tougher than his small company could handle, and his small company was bigger when he bought the Mariners than Byron Allen's team is by a long shot. Because mm-hmm. these teams, whatever they are, baseball, football, basketball, whatever, they suck cash like a vacuum cleaner. That's true. And you're not yeah. always guaranteed a winner. And one of the problems when you're a business guy, like you and me, you know, we go buy a team, but it's like now all of a sudden you're the face of whether they win or lose. You're the face of whether whether Matthew Stafford wins that Super Bowl or not. You know, and he threw a couple of interceptions and put it in doubt a couple of times. So you're kind of thinking, you know, what are you going to do? So, you know, just because you you know, you're 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 the owner doesn't mean you're exempt from taking the heat for what the general manager's doing, who you're drafting, who you're trading, who you're playing, who's your coach. I mean, all this stuff, it's a lot of headaches. I think that's, that's as much as managing it was difficult for Smullyan and the Mariners, I think that other part of it was even more difficult. Jeff is a very nice guy. Jeff is a very, but he's kind of a low-key guy. He's not, he's not a big front man. He's not the big superstar, you know, like a Bob Pittman kind of personality. And, and I think it put Jeff in, a, in an uncomfortable spot you know being the face of this team and I, you know whoa i don't want to you know i just wanted to buy the team and help out the community no you're you're you know you're you're the guy in charge and you're going to take the heat so i'm sure there's a lot of guys who who'd love to do it but they go boy i don't need that headache yeah that's exa- exactly right you know and he got out of it probably even when it was all said and done sold it to nintendo and that's right being owned by nintendo moves the front office visibility down from the ownership a couple of layers. And, you know, you end up talking to the GM and the coach a lot more. But you're absolutely right. Jeff uh, was front and center, and that was just as talk, sports talk radio was ascending. Yeah. So he he was getting bashed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I hope hope Byron gets a chance to do this. Uh, It'll be a very interesting test of whether the NFL is serious about their attempt to bring more black people in, you know, more black ownership into the into the league. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like the FCC wanting more black ownership of radio and television stations, except why would you go buy a radio station right now and lose your ass? <laughs> so it's like, oh, uh, yeah, what, whatever, whatever the color of your skin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Got to wrap it up now, though, Keith. Uh, we, we've kind of sounded like uh, the Barstool podcast <laughs> oh. as, much, as much as we talked about sports today. But that's part of the fun. We talk about a lot of different media, and this just happened to pop up. There's a, a lot going on, and so this was really fun. But our podcasts are available at your any choice platform, your choice of a platform. Videos are at Vimeo under Media Insultant Showcase. Is CBS News for sale? Well, we'll talk about that on Thursday on Media Insultant. In the meantime, Keith, have a good week. We'll see you on Thursday, Jackson. Take care.